conquer local. It's really a breath of fresh air. Good times. I help leaders go from anxiety to authority under pressure. And then let's go and get it. It's an ecosystem. The hardest part here is going to be getting me to shut up on this one. Conquer Local with Vendasta. Hosted by Jeff Tomlin. Welcome to the Conquer Local podcast. Our show features successful sales leaders, marketers, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs who will inspire you with their success stories. Each episode is packed with practical strategies as our guests share their secrets to achieving their dreams. Don't forget to check out and subscribe to our YouTube channel for the video version of each episode where you can see our guests in action. Tune in to learn the highlights of their remarkable accomplishments and get tips to revamp, rework, and reimagine your business. Whether you're a small business owner, a marketer, or aspiring entrepreneur, the Conquer Local Podcast is your ultimate guide to dominating your local market. Tune in now to take your business to the next level. I'm Jeff Tomlin, and on this episode, we're pleased to welcome Catherine Bangle. Catherine is the founder of Bangle PR, a boutique agency specializing in PR, media, content creation, and social media management for a diverse range of clients with a focus on not-for-profit and local businesses. With over a decade of experience, she previously worked as a radio and television reporter for CBC and Global Television, covering major events and elections at national and international levels. Beyond her professional achievements, Catherine is a dedicated wife and mother of two daughters. Her personal journey includes starting Bangle PR when her eldest child was just nine months old and advocating for families with children with disabilities. She has partnered with the Cerebral Palsy Association of Alberta and played a pivotal role in a successful campaign to raise funds for a child with spinal muscular atrophy, leading to a government funding for the drug. Catherine holds degrees in political science from the University of Alberta and journalism from the University of Regina. Her passion lies in storytelling, both professional and personal, to make positive impact. Get ready, Conquerors, for Catherine Bangle, coming up next on this week's episode of the Conquer Local Podcast. Catherine Bangle, welcome to the Conquer Local Podcast. It's great to have you. Um, you know, I went through, we just went through the introduction and, uh, and your background. Um, former CBC reporters, global television, and then at some point, you made your move over to the dark side, moved to the world of PR. And uh, so maybe you can talk a little bit about your, your background of where you were, how you got to where you are in your own words. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. Um, I was a television reporter in both, well, both television and radio for CBC and Global for many years. Um, and after covering many years of death and destruction, uh, I decided <laughs> maybe to take um, a happier route. And so um, I went into PR and communications, as most former journalists do. Um, I started with the RCMP, which is still a little bit of death and destruction, and then uh, moved to the city of Edmonton where I did communications for them in their community services area. And then, and then I had a baby and um, I call that baby my happy accident because I went off on maternity leave and people started to track me down at home. Um, could you do a news conference? Could you send a news release? Could you do this? And you know, as you're like rocking a baby, sure. Yeah, I could do that. I could do it. Um, so I accidentally started a PR firm um, on maternity leave and uh, never went back to an office job. And it's been uh, 12 years now, that baby turned 12 yesterday. And it's probably been the best thing that I ever did. I've gotten to work with so many not-for-profits, 
corporate uh, corporate uh, companies, uh, organizations that do incredible work, and I get to be part of all of those different things, and every day looks different. So you're a, you're a storyteller, and uh, you spend a lot of time with not-for-profits, and a special place in my heart for them, a lot of them you know, they struggle sometimes to get the sort of the, the resourcing and the attention that they need to really be successful. So, so tell us a story about, uh, you know, a nonprofit that you've worked with uh, where, you know, your, your efforts and through PR have made a, made a, made a difference on their mission. Uh, you know, not, not for profits have a, have also a big place in my heart. And I would say they have largely uh, kept my company afloat. You know, I think PR firms often maybe stray away from working with not for profits because they, maybe don't think they have the budget or, um, you know, to be able to, to float a, a PR firm. But I will tell you that is where the best stories are. That's where the best people are. Um, and they do have some budget. I will tell you as a company that is still floating 12 years later, they do indeed. Um, I think the one that stands out for me the most, and, and I've done so many over the past 12 years, um, was when I was working for the Winspear Center and um, the Edmonton Symphony Orchestra, which is not a not-for-profit. However, uh, Ronald McDonald House is, and they came to the Winspear Center because they had a seven-year-old boy. His name was Jordan Cartwright, and he was. His family lived in Grand Prairie, Alberta. They had just lost their house to a fire when Jordan was diagnosed with leukemia. And so through being at Ronald McDonald House and through doing therapy, um, he'd been doing a ton of music therapy and became just in love with classical music. And so he wanted to conduct the Edmonton Symphony Orchestra. And so Ronald McDonald House came to us and asked if he could uh, be part of the symphony and at the Winspear. And so we arranged through the Winspear Center, the symphony, and then, you know, through our PR efforts, um, on one of the Christmas concert nights, the opening night of the Winspears Christmas concert, Jordan conducted the Edmonton Symphony Orchestra uh, as they played O Canada off the top of the night. And so we did a ton of PR and media um, for both the Winspears Center, the symphony and Ronald McDonald House. And it's, you know, it's crazy sometimes where where PR can lead because, you know, all you need is a really great story. And of course, we had one and we knew we did. And so we had local press come out and cover it that night. Um, but Des Malenka, who's a community reporter at CTV Edmonton, her story, I watched it go across the country. I watched it jump into the United States on NBC, ABC. Um, I watched it cross the, the pond and was on BBC and made its way all the way to um, Asia and into Australia. And it was played, that, that story aired all across the world. And so that's kind of the power that PR has. Um, and did I know it was going to do that? No, I'd love to take credit for that and say I, I knew it would. But, um, you know, those are that the amount of money that 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 amount of publicity um, would have cost us. And yet it was totally free. And, you know, the Winspear Center, the Edmonton Symphony Orchestra, um, all of our efforts for working with a not-for-profit Ronald McDonald House, um, you know, that story got told all around the world. So uh, that one has a special place in my heart. I have trouble talking about it without crying because I've met Jordan oh. and his and his family and they're incredible. How can and that, like, not... That's probably my favorite. Oh, how can that not make you feel amazing? 
Like that, that, that is right? such a cool story. That was a pretty good Christmas. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, so we, we talked to so many, um, we, we talked to a lot of agencies. We talked to uh, small business owners all, all of the time. And no matter what type of business you are, um, if you can become a great storyteller and tell great stories, uh, it makes all of the marketing efforts and, pr- and pr- general promotional efforts around a business feel like you're running downhill, doesn't it? Like it, 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 it can, oh, for sure. You make all the change in the world. You know, you've got so many great stories. There's another story <laughs> about um, some efforts that you had, some PR efforts that you had that raised something like a million dollars for funding for med- medical care. Three million. Three million dollars. Three million dollars. Okay, you got We had to raise three million dollars in 12 days. <laughs> That's okay. You got to um, tell the story. So I'll tell the story. I'll try and do it as quickly as I can. Um, so, uh, a, a mom of mine, so I have a, I have a child with a disability. And so I know many other mothers with, a, with children with disabilities. And one of them, her name is, uh, Lana and her son, Kaysen, it was on the cusp of him turning two, and he has spinal muscular atrophy. And if you know anything about, um, SMA, most children with SMA die before the age of two. And so we were about two weeks away from Kaysen's birthday and um, there is a company that has created a one-time treatment that literally stops SMA in its tracks. It's called Zolgensma, but that drug is worth $3 million. And the Alberta government at the time was not covering Zolgensma. So imagine being a mother with a child about to turn two. You know, he's already in a wheelchair. SMA has already stolen much of his uh, ability. And now there's this treatment out there that you could have that could stop your child's progression of his disease and its tracks and you can't have it. So um, because I know so many moms with disabilities and we all know Lana, about 35 of us mothers all came together and tried to raise $3 million over the course of a couple of weeks. And so with an army of moms behind me on social media, DMing and messaging celebrities and, um, you know, just general people around the world. And then me, me doing all the PR um, for Lana. I had her on the front lawn of her house every morning um, talking to media and their story also traveled the world. And about every single day we managed to raise about $200,000 just through like all of these moms on the other side and all of the TV press. And so I could see it coming, but I knew we weren't quite raising enough. It was like 200 to $250,000 a day. And we had you know, only so many days to get case into $3 million um, so that Lana could buy this drug for her son. Um, but in the course of that, as a communication strategy, I knew that we had to do sort of three things. We had to raise awareness for SMA and drug treatment. Um, I needed I needed to actually raise $3 million. And I wanted to push pressure the Alberta government into actually funding it because I was scared we weren't going to make it. I could see that we weren't raising enough, even though we were raising an astronomical amount of money every single day. I knew we weren't raising enough. And so um, I had politicians on Lana's front lawn standing there with her every day. We had her out front doing phone interviews. She was doing podcast interviews. Um, And then one day Ryan Reynolds um, donated money to Kaysen and his campaign and he made it publicly known that he had donated to uh, Kaysen. 
And so that's all I needed. I needed one celebrity with a giant name to donate a ton of money. And I grabbed his publicity, which is really what he was doing. He didn't give us $3 million. I, I'm sure he could have, but he lent me his publicity. And so with that, we had stories across the country about how Ryan Reynolds had donated money to our campaign. And, and I could also feel it on the other side that the Alberta government was starting to churn. And so by the time case in turn two, we had not quite raised $3 million. We'd raised about, I think, one, 1. 1.5. And all of a sudden, an anonymous donor came forward with $2 million. And uh, we reached our $3 million um, amount. Kaysen got Zolgensma at the Calgary Children's Hospital. And within a couple of months, the Alberta government um, had had come through with a, a, a deal with the uh, maker of the drug and it was added to the rare disease drug uh, coverage plan here in Alberta. So now that kids with SMA who are born within the six, first six months, I think, are able to get Zolgensma paid for by the Alberta government. So, um, and I did all that for free. <laughs> oh my, but like, what another, like, like an amazing story. Like you can do big things and, you know, people put their, their minds to it. And what a, what an amazing story about the power of PR and people coming together to move mountains. What a, what a great story. Totally. You know, and we didn't, we didn't pay a cent for any of that publicity, right? That's, that's the difference between PR and marketing that I think is often missed. Lots of people, you know, pay for marketing uh, and and don't really give much strength to the side of PR um, and and even earned media and traditional media. You know, obviously traditional media is struggling, and um, but I still say it's worth it because uh, you know I've I've seen what it can do. So you don't always work for free. Um, I'm sure. <laughs> and uh, so you get involved with, uh, with events, so, uh, events like the, um, the Fringe Festival up in Edmonton. And, uh, so yeah. those are big things, uh, that must demand a lot of your attention. Maybe, you know, shifting focus a little bit, um, to some of the things that make you money. Like how, what are some of the challenges to, <laughs> to, you know, running and pulling off supporting really big events like that. Yeah, um, I've been doing the Fringe Festival, the Edmonton Fringe Festival, which is the largest Fringe Festival in North America. Um, I've been doing that. I think this was year seven for me. I was trying to count. Um, but I'm sort of known as like the festival PR queen. We also do the Edmonton Street Performance Festival. We do the Works Festival. Um, and I'm currently doing the Lit Fest and I'm doing Dark at Fort Edmonton Park. And so I just kind of do festivals all year long and it's so much fun and I love being on the ground. Um, the challenge really is that, you know, it's not necessarily hard to get press for those types of big, big events. It's trying to tell their story, right? Um, the Fringe Festival is a not-for-profit. It still requires donations. It still supports artists. Um, and of course, over COVID, I lost many of our events um, because of COVID, including the, the Fringe Festival, which for the first time in decades uh, did not run. And so we've been trying to pull all of all of those festivals, um, you know, back into the light out of COVID and um, ensure that people understand that they're a not for profit, that they do require your support, that there's all kinds of artists um, that that also were struggling over COVID and need our support and need us to come out and buy a ticket and come and sit our bumps down in those in those seats and those shows, 
and um, you know pay for pay those street performers on on the sidewalk doing their amazing acrobatics and tricks and fire juggling and all the things. Um, and so, especially for the Fringe Festival, I think I do almost 200 media interviews uh, that I logistically arrange and pitch um, over the course of three weeks in August. Um, so it's a lot of work, but um, but you know our local media here in Edmonton and then and then outwardly um, is so so supportive, um, and they they come every year. And this year I toured some writers from New York through the festival, and so. Um, you know, it's just a lot of fun and it's, it's, um, it's, I see it as, as, as a way of telling those stories that maybe most people, uh, haven't heard of. A lot of different, um, aspects of, of public relations and communications work. Um, you were also working with uh, senior homes, uh, through the pandemic and, uh, you, you know, there's, that, it was from, from what I read, it was another great example of, uh, big impacts that you can make with storytelling and, and putting together a solid communication strategy. Maybe you can talk a little bit about that because that's a totally different use case than big events. Yeah, I had um, Canterbury Foundation, also a not-for-profit, um, is a seniors home here in Edmonton. Um, they have over 200 seniors that live in their facility. They just went through a $42 million expansion um, and capital campaign, which we were helping support um, them through in terms of raising dollars to expand into a brand new memory care unit and one of Edmonton's first end of life care facilities that would be inside a senior's home, especially a not-for-profit one in Edmonton. Um, and so while we were helping them do that, uh, very much an external type of campaign, um, COVID hit. And so all of a sudden, we became sort of their internal communications arm at the same time. You know, you've got 200 seniors, you've got all of their families, you have their, you know, the care workers that work there. And we were already seeing, you know, deaths and COVID related deaths in other care facilities, especially down in Calgary. When COVID first started, I think they lost one of those facilities, lost 54 seniors, I think, within the first few weeks of COVID. Um, and so we were really trying to communicate how well we were holding the line on COVID at, at Canterbury and um, trying to maintain uh, fear and, and try to keep calm, which is also part of communications. And so, you know, within the first few days, we realized that the seniors were going to be locked down. They weren't going to have their activities. They weren't going to be able to see their, their loved ones. And so we, you know, Canterbury was like, Kat, what are we going to, what are we going to do? Like, how are we going to keep our seniors like connected to their families? And so we implemented, you know, a calm strategy for all of the family members um, to be able to do, we were doing town halls, answering all of their questions. I was emceeing online town halls, which we've never really done before and to kind of try and figure out um, on the fly. And then we got all of the seniors, uh, iPads and a scheduler. So families could book in, um, iPad visits and visit their, their loved ones on an iPad. As you know, if you've ever tried to help a senior turn on an iPad, it's quite complicated. <laughs> so got we it. had to, we had to get a schedule to, right. Yeah. We had to get a schedule together. And so that nurses are now like running around Canterbury with iPads, trying to get all of their seniors on talking to their, their kids and their grandkids. And we really just tried to keep communication open as much as we could um, the whole time. 
And then, you know, other things popped up during COVID as well. The Alberta government decided that it was only going to fund vaccines for publicly funded facilities at a certain point in time, which was devastating for Canterbury as a not-for-profit, not a not a publicly funded facility. They've been holding the line on COVID in their facility, hadn't had a single case for over a year. And then we finally get a vaccine and we weren't able to get our hands on it. So um, I had all of the families start a letter writing campaign for the Alberta government. We did a ton of media. I had the CEO of Canterbury out front, you know, in a mask talking to press um, and press were going to the minister of health um, at all of their press conferences and asking like, how do, how do other seniors outside of publicly funded facilities get access to vaccines. And within a week, I could see it coming again. I could see, I could see it coming. And within a week, the Alberta government changed their tune. And all of a sudden we were able to get our hands on um, COVID vaccines for all of our seniors within Canterbury and at other, every other um, non-publicly funded facility in, in the province. So it was a lot of work. Um, I did. I did not know when when I had a seniors home email me and ask me to do PR. I actually thought in the back of my head, like, what would I? How would I do PR for a seniors home? And um, I had no idea what that was going to turn into. But it's uh, also been one of those really incredible clients that we have still to this this day that just has amazing stories that we just keep continuing to tell. Um, and advocate for in terms of healthcare dollars. You know, uh, the, the the handful of nonprofits that I've worked with, I found incredibly rewarding, um, and uh, and you know, I, I cherish you know the, some of the work that we uh, that we did with them. Um, the public relations professionals can make such an impact on the the trajectory and the mission of those companies. And if uh, you were to give some inspiration to uh, people people in your field. Uh, to get out and work with nonprofits, uh, what what would you tell them? Oh, it's just the most they're the most rewarding clients we have. Obviously, I love I love working with all the clients that we have, and we've done amazing things. But there are, there are there is just a wealth of story what I call storytelling gold um, inside not for profits, and the people who are there have just the biggest giant hearts. They don't get paid a ton of money. They often wear multiple hats. Um, but they're there because they believe in what they do. And so um, there's nothing better for a PR professional to work with than those kinds of characters, um, those kinds of stories, and to be able to see the impact that they have. And then the impact that you can add on top of that is just, um, it, it just makes my heart happy. And so those are the clients that we love. Those are the clients that have supported my own um, small business for 12 years now. Um, and I, I wouldn't do it any other way. Uh, they're, they're just incredible people and, uh, they, they're willing to give you the shirt off their back and they work so super hard to get you what you need as a PR firm. Um, and those are the stories that need to be told. We all need to be supporting our not-for-profits. That's what makes our communities, uh, you know, great places to live. Um, Love the conversation and and highlighting you know the power of public public relations um, and uh, the impact it can have on telling stories for all sorts of different types of things. Um, couple takeaways for the for, for the audience um, uh, about some of you know from some of your expertise and and the things that you've done. Um, I would say don't discount public relations. Um, uh, lots of people think oh we need to market we need to market we need to market. 
people don't actually like to be sold to necessarily. But, you know, if you can tell a story, if you if you can give them some motivation through storytelling, um, that's that's what pulls at the heartstrings. Right. That's what makes them buy a ticket. That's what makes them come. That's what makes them donate. That's what makes them tell a friend. That's what makes them share. That's the kind of marketing that in the end. Um, is going to get you further, I think, than a paid advertisement somewhere or a billboard somewhere. Um, public relations isn't fast; it's slow, um, but it's it's so it's so worth it. And um, you know, I've built a business myself, not through any. I've never spent a single dollar in marketing uh, for my own public relations firm. Uh, we have done everything we've ever done just through word of mouth. And it's because of the stories that we tell and the people we align ourselves with and the difference we make in the community. And that's what we're known for. And so, you know, even on my own side as a PR firm and as a small business, you know, that those PR dollars um, are way better spent than than any ad I could have ever bought for for my company. So I I would uh I would tell any company, you know, don't don't just put all your eggs in one marketing basket. You know, look at your storytelling, share your stories, look inside, figure out, you know, where is that storytelling gold in your in your in your staff, in your clients, in your testimonials and the things that you do as a company and share those things out because it'll it, it'll have such a huge impact and uh, really grow your brand and uh, your reputation. Catherine, you're an amazing storyteller, and uh, I want to thank you for joining us on the Conquer Local podcast um, from behind the airport. On your vacation, by the way, people <laughs> we didn't tell people at the beginning of the show that you're joining us on vacation, and so I bid you uh, safe travels on your uh, on your way home. Thanks again for joining us here. If thank people you. people wanted to continue the conversation with you, how do they reach out to you? Oh, I'm I'm all over social at just at Bangle PR, and you can find us on our website at banglepr.ca. Well, have an amazing last day of your vacation, and uh, it's been a pleasure chatting Thank with you. Thank you so much. Hope to do this again sometime. Thanks for having me. I hope so too. It was nice to meet you, Jeff. Wow, I enjoyed that conversation. Catherine really highlights the importance of storytelling in PR, and even beyond the world of PR. A great story can garner extensive media coverage and raise awareness effectively, as demonstrated by her work at the Winspear Center and the Kazan Campaign. It really shows how compelling narratives can generate substantial publicity and attention. You know, another key lesson Catherine emphasized is the distinction between public relations and marketing. And while marketing often involves spending, PR leverages storytelling and media outreach that gets people telling your story, often without the same expense. She's a real advocate for the value of PR in building a brand and community support, often without the need for significant marketing spending. If you've enjoyed Catherine Bangle's episode discussing public relations for nonprofits, keep the conversation going and revisit some of our older episodes from the archives. Check out episode 625, Building a Strong C-Suite Community with Jeffrey Hazlett, or episode 619, Empowering Communities and Driving Economic Prosperity with Heather Thompson. Until next time, I'm Jeff Tomlin. Get out there and be awesome. You've been listening to the Conquer Local podcast presented by Vendasta. Tune in next week for a new episode. Guest discovery and produced by Suleiman Adam. Marketing by Rory Lawford, Brandon Moore, and Suleiman Adam. Executive producers, Brendan King, Jeff Tomlin, and Suleiman Adam. Recorded at Vendasta headquarters on the Canadian prairies.